Thank you for your presence with us, Lord. For your faithfulness, Father. For your precious word, Lord. We give you praise, Lord, for you are worthy of our praise, Father. Oh, with all our breath, we praise you this morning, Father God. We welcome you this morning, Lord Jesus. Brother Tim, would you come this morning? 
Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. A couple of prayer requests. I see Brother Nathan didn't have any. We're very thankful to the Lord for each and every one of you that are here and out over the internet. God bless you each one. If you put that picture up for me this morning, I just want to make one announcement before we go to prayer. Sister Dorothy McGowan, who some of you know, but some of you may not know, is Sister Ruth Biskell's sister, passed away on Friday and went peacefully from this mortal life into eternity. And we thank God for that. She was a wonderful woman. I pastored her for quite a number of years in Dawson Creek. She also attended her church here for a number of years. And uh, a lot could be said about her. A lot could be said about her. I'll say, just make a comment. You know, I was witnessing to an elderly man in Dawson Creek many years ago. And uh, while I was there, and he asked me a question. He says, he says, does Dorothy McGowan go to your church? And I said, yes, she does. Actually, she's our piano player. And he said, that is a tremendous woman. And you could just see by the admiration in his face that this life had made an impact upon his life. Even though she was only saved, I think she was in her 50s when she was saved in Edmonton. But her character throughout her entire life, you could see the hand of God upon her, preparing her as she was saved in Edmonton. I think she was baptized here. But I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I said, sometimes... There's one person in a family that gets saved and nobody else is saved. And I said, who knows but what God calls you to pray for your family. There might not be anybody else but you praying for your family. And Sister Dorothy was such a sister. Uh, you know, she had a real faith and a real character. It was her prayers and her character in front of her husband. That caused him to give his life to the Lord on his deathbed. And I want to say that as a testimony to the Lord and as an assurance to you. You might think you go your whole life. And now somebody's on their deathbed. But on his deathbed, he gave himself to the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil didn't get the victory. God got the victory. And that's a testimony of a life and many, many things that I could say about her. She, I know is believing, went to her grave, believing for her family, praying for her family. Now she's gone on to her reward, but just as assuredly as God heard her prayers for her husband, I'm sure he'll hear her prayers for her family. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your house shall be saved. Do you believe that this morning? I'm sure we all have a a burden this morning. We all have a desire and and uh, a burden for somebody. And so uh, just before we go to prayer, I'll mention one other thing. Thank you. You can you can take that off the screen. Uh, the brothers in Africa have been in touch with me. You've maybe heard in the news of the unrest in Ethiopia in the in the northern area called uh, Tigrinya, uh, where they speak their own language. And there's many things that could be said about it, but cannot be said uh, publicly. But there is a an uprising, a a uh, a very serious situation in northern Ethiopia, where there are some young believers who have been baptized in that area, and uh, 
Uh, I know it's been reported in the news the word genocide has been used. And so we want to remember the saints in that area and pray that God will have his protecting hand upon them. Not only for the saints, but for every predestinated seed. Amen. May God be merciful and bring peace to that region. Let's bow our heads together. If you have a need on your heart this morning, why don't you hold that before the Lord? And God sees your your heart. He sees your hand, but he especially sees the heart that causes that hand to be raised. Heavenly Father, you are the mighty God. You are the creator of heavens and earth. And Lord, you allowed Lucifer to fall. You allowed sin to come into this world. That you might express yourself as a healer. You were a healer before there ever was a sickness. You were a comforter before anyone needed comfort. You were a savior before anybody was lost. All of these attributes were in you, Lord, and now we are seeing the expression of these things in lives, in testimonies, in different ones. And I, I think of Sister Dorothy this morning who has gone on to her reward, Father, and her family whom she loved and whom loved her. And Lord, I pray for them. I pray, Lord, you know her prayers. You know her desires, and we commit her family into your hands. Not just for comfort, Lord, but also, Lord, for salvation. That, Lord, that the dealing of the Holy Spirit would not stop, though she be taken off the scene. But, Lord, may it continue to deal in that home. May you bless our sister Ruth, who has, I know has prayed for her family, has held up her sister and her brother, and has seen the impact of her faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for her as a mother in the church. And Lord, we just commit that whole situation to you. And Lord, we have other situations. There's hands that are raised. Lord, there's homes that need your impact. There's individual lives that need a touch from you. There's sickness, Lord, that needs the finger of God to cast out the devil, O Lord. Lord, just move through every situation and work out your perfect will in great abundance and glorify the name of Jesus Christ. Once again this morning, Lord, may you lift up your name in glory. Lord, we've heard testimonies even this week of you answering prayers. And Lord, we give you glory and we give you honor. And Father, our hearts are over there in Ethiopia this morning, Lord. The brothers letting us know, Lord, is very serious. Oh God, you're greater than any serious situation. You're greater than any conflict. You're greater than any plan the devil has. Your word says, greater are you that is in us than he that is in the world. And we see the enemy moving in the world to cause all sorts of damage. But Lord, we claim the mighty hand of Jehovah in the lives of every son and daughter of God. Lord, may we hear the testimonies in the day ahead. That would glorify your name, O Lord. Every situation we commit to your hands. We commit every son, every daughter of God. We commit the brethren there, the brothers whom I have met in that region, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'll just sovereignly be with them at this time. We commit all things to you now, Father. We ask your blessing upon this service. Brother Murphy's going to come and bring your word. We ask, Lord, that it'll be sovereign. We ask, oh God, that it'll drive directly to the heart of every hearer.
that, Lord, your word, which you said will not return void. But, Lord, may it be so powerful this morning. May it draw us nearer to you. And, Lord, bring us into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. We commit ourselves to you. We commit Brother Murphy, Brother Nathan, as we continue this song service in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. you. You can have your seats this morning. just want to say God bless you to Sister Ruth. Just pray God will be with you. We just have a mighty host that has gone before us and we're looking forward to seeing them all again. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to invite our brother Murphy to come. We'll just sing a song together as he comes. Victory in Jesus. Amen. I heard an old Old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. And I heard about his groaning of his precious blood coating. Then I repented of my sins and was a
this is the time of a victory. Amen. This is not a time of a defeat. And the Lord has never been defeated. And then his bride has never been defeated. And we praise the Lord for that. Um, I just wonder if you can, uh, we can just turn to the scripture right out of the way. Let's turn to our book of Exodus. Thank you for the musicians. Thank you, Brother Nathan. And thank you, um, Brother Tim, for the prayer. And uh, it's very much uh, in, uh, in line with what I'm going to uh, speak uh, this morning. So I believe the Lord has a mind for us uh, to come over here. You know, it's a time like this. And make a coming to church become a very, very precious to us. Because we don't know when will be the next time. We don't know when uh, it's going to be closed down. Or we're going up. Whatever it happens. So that we know that God is a mighty God that we serve. And this is the time. It's not only just we uh, listen to the word. But we uh, live the word. Brother Branham said if you do believe the word. You live the word. And that's what we do here. And we believe what he said. And we know the word is going to live itself out. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 34. Chapter 34, verse 28. And he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. We talk about Moses here. He did, eat, he did uh, neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the table of the word of the covenants, the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass that Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of a testimony in Moses' hand. Then he came down from the mount that Moses was not, that um, the skin of his face shone while, the, while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them. And Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him. And Moses talked with them. And afterward all the children of Israel came nigh. And he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him... He took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put a veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with them. And so let's turn to another scripture, uh, book of Leviticus. And sorry, I got a, uh, some lengthy scriptures uh uh, this morning, but I just want to read it first so that you don't have to turn to the scripture uh, while you say that you cannot uh, just concentrate. Uh, book of Leviticus chapter 4 verse 13. Leviticus chapter 4 verse 13. And if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance and the thing uh, be high, be hid from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which should not be done and the duty. When the sin which they have sinned against it is known, then the congregation shall offer a young bullock for the sin and bring him before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands upon the head of the bullock 
before the Lord, and the bullock shall be killed before the Lord. And the priest that is anointed shall bring of the bullocks of blood to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall dip his finger in some of the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord, even before the veil. Let's turn to the last scripture, uh, book of Revelation, chapter 19. Book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 9. Nineteen and verse nine of the book of Revelation. And he says unto the, unto me, Write, blessed are thee which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he has, and he says unto me, This are the true saying of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of a prophecy. Let's talk about our head again. Dear Heavenly Father, how we thank you, Lord, to uh, speaking to us and through the prophet in this age, so that uh, the scripture is not just, a, just pages. It's not just something that is said in the history 2,000 years ago, but Lord, it is relevant to today. It's talking about us. It's talking about the time that we're living in. It's talking about the bride of Jesus Christ is coming to the climax. While one we see this earth going through the travail, the birth pan, but Lord, all these things, the virus, the, the people's mind that is into the corruption and everything, but Lord, all this is only show there is another world is coming in. This world is going to going away, is crumbling even right now. But Lord, it only shows that another world is coming so close to us. Lord, that's why we're coming together. We believe you. We read the word. We believe the word to that word taking effect in our life. Lord, we know the word is unfolding itself. All in need is just a vessel. When we yield ourselves to you, to give ourselves, let you coming in, pour ourselves into us so that you can speak through us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we dedicate ourselves for service this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, when we're living in this world, uh, and I think in our eyes we can easily uh, to um, uh, see what happens that's around us, and we can, uh, or we we hear the news and we saw the news and we are watching the things as it happens that are on this earth in the different area, different part of the world, and we saw all kinds of things. Just uh, uh, it's like a flood just uh, coming in. But you see that we have to be very uh, careful, not be swollen by the things that are in this world, that the world that they try to convey to us. Whatever the world that they try to convey to us, you can be well assured is a lie. Because it's all coming from Satan. But we have to look beyond all this veil. Look beyond what happens that's around us. Let our eyes be always focused on what is the word of God has said. It's not only focused on what is the word of God has said about this world. That's not what we're supposed to be focused on. You go to the Christian world, they know what's happening. 
You go to the denomination or churches, they know this is the end time. It doesn't even take a revelation now to know what is happening right now. People lost their minds. It doesn't have to take the, the, the message to even tell us. But the message is to reveal Christ living in us. And that when we're living in this world and we're facing all the difficulties and the things that we're looking at, it's behoove to us to look into the word. This is our answer. This is our remedy. It's not just the things that are what's happened in the world, what's happened to this person, what happened to that person, what is the garment that they gave us, the rules again, and this said this, and this said that. Whatever they said, we follow that. But our heart is not there. Our discernment is not just to you know, try to see what is the world, to try to say, but try to understand what is the word of God. Try to say it about the bride of Jesus Christ. In this hour, this is the time we're going away. Don't let the things that happen to scare us. Don't let the things that happen around us attract at all our attention. It's not worth it. Let me tell you that. It's not even, don't even give a one at order to what is to happen in and around. This is the worst you're talking about. This is the worst that for us to give us a whole attention to it and to believe every word of God said it to be the truth and it will come to pass. If God said that there is a bride without a spot and a wrinkle, God will have a bride. If God said that He's an almighty God and He's an overcomer, He's a conqueror, then that's what we believe. And then when we are in this age, I think another thing that we need to be uh, also be at our word of, that's when uh, God gave us a messenger. He gave us um, uh, the prophet uh, in this hour. He gave it a certain characteristic that the ministry of the prophet is carrying. So when we're reading the word, it's not only just we're listening to the word, reading the word, try to make it fit to our thinking. To our ideas. Okay, my situation is this. You try to find out that whatever it is in the message, you try to fit it with the situation. It's not that. That doesn't work. It's way fit in what is the message you try to reveal to us. Because when you fit in the mold, the spirit of God, give it to the prophet, you mold it into that, you tap it into that, all the resources to you. You don't have to discern what type of a resource you try to find from the message to be suitable to your need. You just type in, uh, uh, not type in, tie it in uh, to the uh, to the resource, and then the resource will flow. Sometimes when the resource will give it to us, it's not exactly what we wanted, but it will be definitely will be made good for you. It will be definitely benefited for you. So when we give ourselves to the word, and we have to be understand what is the spirit behind the word try to tell us. And that can be fine to when we're listening to the message, when we're reading the word, and then you're going through, you saw that the prophet that are under the spirit, and that they give it to us, he's under the certain characteristic of that spirit. And then that's why God in the book of Revelation, and he gave it to the prophet, uh, in this age, he said, uh, uh, he, he, he gave it a, re- uh, a resembling of it. It's, uh, it's like an eagle. That means, uh, that the eagle can fly high and that he can see far. He can see things, uh, the rabbit cannot see. 
He can see things of the further than even the lions of the can see because of the lion and the, of tigers and all of the animals, they're earthly. But this is the heavenly bird. He can go high and look far and saw things that wasn't happening. And he been us, and he telling us, saying to us, okay, this is going to come. And this is, is, uh, is going to happen. And that uh, we'll be, uh, um, how to say this, we'll be, uh, uh, we'll be informed way ahead of time. So all the things that have happened, that's the way before this has happened. And then the Spirit of God already used the prophet and stayed to us. And we shall say, and we will say, that's the spirit of a prophecy that's on the, uh, Brother Branham's ministry. And so the one he was the spirit of the prophecy on the prophet, he started to telling the event before this has happened. And now we must be do, we must be going under the same spirit of God and to look at the things, to believe things. It doesn't mean that we have the ministry of the prophet. This ministry can never be impersonated. This ministry can never be copied again. I remember Brother, Brother Ed said that at one time, he saw the loathsome, uh, loathsome denomination of we call him the man of a God, and those great, of uh, great of figure and the great people, uh, you know, whatever the name is. I don't want to call their names, but they're the Pentecostal, this and that. Even for this age, and they said, you know, oh, did you feel that? Oh, did you did you see that? But I had to give it a very uh, a simple term. He said it's just a cheap rerun, and I think that's the, that's just what it is. It's just a cheap rerun. It's a try to uh, a copy and an impersonate, that, but we have the true. We have the reality of that. And God had made himself in full view just right before us. So we don't need to seek that other cheapery run and try to do that. All we need to do, follow what the prophet said. Follow what is the word of God has said. When you follow what he said, what he said come into you will make you under the spirit of a prophecy. Because that's a testimony of Jesus is the spirit of a prophecy. But it doesn't come like what is the prophet like. You don't have to be prophesied all the time. You don't have to be, so, oh, I feel that. You know, I feel chilled on my back. You don't have to feel that. That's the same spirit of a prophecy, but coming in a different way. Because we are, we're just common people. We're just a laity. We're just a believers to believe in the word of a God. But still, when the spirit of a prophecy commanded the person, he will manifest himself. And if the Lord willing, I'm going to speak about it, but I probably won't be able to finish this um, uh, because I want to uh, give the foundation of this so that we can uh, go into either uh, today or, or in the next time. So I want to title it as the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of a prophecy. But there is a condition of that. Without that condition, you cannot, you just only end up becoming impersonator. That's why you find out that people live a hard life. They try to follow the message, they try to do this, everything is they try to do, they try to do, but it never really automatically rolled, rolled into it and under the spirit of God and to live a life which is before Him. And if the Lord willing, we want to go into that. So you see that every age, they must be under the spirit of that age. When they're in the lion's age, they must be under the spirit of lion. When they're in the ox age, they must be under the spirit of ox. If they're in the man's age, they must be under spirit of a man. That's why during those, uh, those uh, ox age, 
people under the spirit that influence them, they can uh, just go into uh, their, their head be cut off and they become a martyr. And it was so easy to them. They actually uh, going run to get and become a martyr. And even Paul, that the Peter, all those other apostles, it's not something that dragged them to it. They run for it because they are under anointing of the spirit that in that age. And in an immense age, one of the people like uh, Martin Luther and all of them, they're printing the, the Bible and they're translating the, the Bible. They're doing all of those things. It's not that they try to do something. It was something driven them to do because they're under the anointing of the Spirit. So in this age, when we're under an anointing of the ego Spirit, it doesn't say that we try to do certain things, but the ego Spirit will anointing you. And he won't make you to have the discernment. Let you to look at the things so differently from all the world is looking. And when you look at the things that you have to discern, you can judge what is right and what is wrong. And even though the word of God, as the Hebrew 4 and the 12 said, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and of the spirit. The hardest part to discern. Is this the flesh or is this in my spirit? Is this in my spirit or is this in my soul? But by the grace of God, God gave us this spirit of the prophecy. That was the discernment that in this hour to let us find it out what is right and what is wrong. Even the people are so confused about under the spirit of the prophecy, which is prophecy. It was the ender. If that was going, uh, it can be piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. So that is the spirit of this word. This word that they give it to us. So it's not what we try to do, try to manufacture it. But when you receive the word, the word will take it its own way and start to working in you. And also we find out in this, uh, in this world, when the message has come, it's not just some, uh, some a preacher give us a preaching and try to um, uh, get a church going, try to make us um, uh, know how to live a life and try to, you know, uh, we, uh, how to love your neighbor, how to do this and how to do that, which is our in the world. But it's not that it's superficially like the denominational world that try to tell us how to have a good marriage life, how to train your children, you know, how to do this, how to do that. That's not what is the message coming here for. When God sent it to the prophet, the prophet said, my ministry is different from the pastor, different from the teacher, different from the evangelist. My ministry is to prove that he is a here. And it's not just that he is here partially, but he is here fully. Yeah. Brother Branham said in the unveiling of God. I think I better slow down a little bit. I'm going 100 miles an hour. Brother Branham said in the unveiling of God. He said that when he said here that he emptied himself or poured out. Now, we would think like this, that he vomited up. He said that the English word of emptied or poured out from him. See, something went out of him that was different from him. But the word kenosis in the Greek does not mean that he vomit up. Or some his arm went off. Or his eye went out. Another person. That is, he changed himself. He poured himself into. 
It's not just that he give a partial gift to this. It's not just that he give a part of a blessing that to the people. He said, I give you way more than a blessing. I give you way more than just a power. I give you way more than just a religious. I give you way more than just a sincere. He said, I give myself to you. And I pour myself into that vessel. That's what is the purpose. So that's why that the bride of Jesus Christ never downgrade what God has poured in. Into just, you know, I'm just make a living here. I'm just trying to, uh, you know, try, try to be a good believer. I'm just trying to, you know, train my children. And hopefully one day I'm going to heaven. And hopefully one day they're going to the Lamb's Supper. Or the Bride's Supper. And then I can sit there. And then I, I made there. Okay, finally I got there. No, God said, I pour myself into you. That is that into another mask. In another word, into another veil. Into another form. He said, not another person went out of him, called the Holy Spirit, but it was a him himself. It's not even just the, I have, Lord, give me the, give me the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We forgot. God said, I give you myself to you. Himself is the Holy Spirit. Him whole self. It's not just the baptism. It's just not the feeling of it. It's not just the chill run through you. It's not just the healing. It's not just the emotion. It's not just a miracle. It's not just all of that. He said, I give my, I pour myself into it without any reservation. I pour myself into you without anything remain that I didn't give it to you. He said, I give myself to you. Everything that is in me, I pour myself into you. It's not just a little token we try to put it on the door and said, you know, oh, I wish the death angel doesn't come in. He said, that's myself. I am on your doorpost. I am on your door lintel. Death angel, stop right here. Virus, stop right here. Sickness, stop right here. We were the children, stop right here. He said, I pour myself into this house. He himself poured himself into the people. Christ in you. How beautiful, how wonderful to think God pouring himself into the human being, into the believer, poured out. He poured himself into this bride. He poured himself that into you. That makes you become a masterpiece. Because he's not just sort of trying to molding your character into, he poured himself into you. You are a masterpiece that it belongs to the him. It's not that he just sort of working on you, working on you. He poured himself into you. When he poured himself into you, he doesn't make it anything like a lesser, or he doesn't make it anything just a reserve, doesn't Without it being given to you. And then he poured himself into you. Then he said to you, speak. Because it's not your speaking. But when he poured himself into you. is him in this veil. In this vessel. Start to speaking out. It's not speaking just your own words. 
But if your life has a manifest, what is the life of Jesus Christ supposed to do? That speaks louder than your voice can speak. Your life has to match with the what is up. Uh, what you are talking about. And if you do have the life of that living in you, but recognize God living in you, you will match it up with what you are talking about. And when God, when in the last time when we were speaking about John, and when the Lord, when an angel was said to John, John said, go take the book. And John said, give me that book. And he, uh, take it and he heat it up and uh, prophesied again. And we know John is the type of the bride. If we can just summarize in a few words of this whole, uh, uh, whole event. If the John is the type of the bride, and that's what the bride should do. That's the bride in this hour that what we need to do. First, John heard the voice said, go take the book. Then when John heard it, then John must go said, give me that book. That means he must claim the book. This is mine. Because it had the blood on it. If without the blood, the book cannot be seen. The book is not worthy even for you to look at but when the lamb reach out, get the book, the blood is on that book. So when John saw that, he know this book belongs to me. The title deed belongs to me. The rights belong to me. All the blessing belongs to me. My children belongs to me. And the love of God belongs to me. Walk over with the Lord belongs to me. Everything belongs to me. There's not one thing God doesn't say, well, I didn't give it to you. He poured himself into that. He is that book with the blood on it. He said, I give it to you. John said, this is mine. I claim it. Give it to me. It's not others, but it belongs to me, precious. The God, the personal God belongs to me. He said, I claim it. Claim, that's the first word. If I have to summarize it up further on, then he takes the book. When he takes the book, you know, it just so moved me when I was thinking about that. There's all the blessing in that book. But without the lamb, reach out, put his blood on that book. That book is unseen. That book is unreadable. That book is uh, still in the hands of a God. Nobody can take it. But when Lamb took that other book, that become a bloody book. Lamb's blood is on that book. And when John claimed it, when he reached out, he took that other book, he got a blood on his hand. That he can take the blood. It's the bloody book that on his hand made him worthy. It's not that you are worthy, but Lord, He is the worthy. He took that book, and the one that reached it out is the bloody, bleeding Word of God. And that blood now is on me. And I take it. I said, that's mine. It's not me worthy, but you made me worthy. I made so many mistakes. 
If I just look at this veil, there was so many wrong, so many failure. But thank God that there's a blood in there. Because that book got a blood on it. The blood stain that come upon him. And then when he takes out the book, and then John eat the book. When he eat the book, him and the word becoming one. It's not just a two. What make that? What make that to become a one? It's the blood of the lamb make them can become a one. Make the word of a God that are coming into you can become a one. Before that, you're not even worthy to read it. You're not even, can, you cannot even understand what is inside. You cannot even say the name. But now the blood covered. Your name is in that book. It's not just a knowledge anymore. But when you take that book, it belongs to you. It had a blood on you. When you eat it, you and him become a one. And when you become a one, and the last thing is prophesy again. Then it's not him speaking about it, but it's the one that's inside of him speaking it out. When you eat the book, when you believe every word of a God said to be the truth, it's not a you try to speak it out and a prophesy that it again, but it's uh, the one that's inside of you that is started speaking. The bride of Jesus Christ, the believer, overcome him is by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of their, or the word of their testimony. But the blood of the Lamb make the word become inside of us. Then it's the word of a testimony. It's not just our own testimony, but when you receive the blood, receive the, 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 the life of a Christ, the life of the Lamb, when it's coming into you, then you will have the word of a testimony. Because it's not you living anymore, but it's the Christ living in you. And then the testimony of a Jesus Christ is the spirit of a prophecy. That's talking about in this age, in this hour, happens right in the midst of us. So if God revealed himself in the prophet, in the son of man, then we must believe and manifest as a product of the son of a man's ministry. And we must be exactly fit in the mold of the, the prophet's ministry. That's why it always says, oh, in this age, the ministry of the prophet had a certain characteristic that we have to, uh, we're under. And Brother Brahma said, he said, it's, uh, he said, refer to the back of anybody. He said, he refers to in original. He said, Elohim, in the beginning, Elohim. And Elohim, without controversy, great is the mystery of Elohim. For Elohim was made of flesh. And we handled him. Elohim veiled in human flesh. It's not just the uh, the certain man that's veiled in there. It's not a certain theology that's veiled in the human flesh. But it's the Elohim himself veiled in the human flesh. 
So when John eats that book, the book becomes unseen. That can be seen any on the outside. Because John has eaten. And then the book, the word now is veiled in John. The, the first of the book was revealed is sin. It can be sin before people. But when you eat it, the word becomes unseen now. The only way to reveal that word is when you prophesy that again. So that's why it cannot be yourself it try to say anything. It must be the Lamb's alive living in literally living in you. Because the word is not just a page. It's not just a message on the shelf. But that word where you eat it, it becomes unseen. When it becomes unseen, the only manifestation can manifest the word is the believer in this hour. Only the believer can manifest the word of a God. Only the believer under the spirit of a prophecy can pointing to the nation, to town, to people and prophesy again. And said, a mountain be moved. Then the word of a God from unseen become a sin. Mountain moved. Then it said a storm be peace. Then it said that the children come back to the Lord. That said a sugar diabetes, you must stop it over here. The unseen now become a sin. But the word was veiled. But Abraham said in the unveiling of God. He said, and now he said, now Moses, you understand that the people understand now. See, I've shown you. I've vindicated you. God had availed himself in this prophet to speak his word to the people. Moses was the living God to them. The living word of God made manifest. When the believer can manifest the word of God to prove the word of God to truth, just like what is the quote said over here, he become a living God to them. That's why you receive a rejection. That's why you receive a mocking. That's why you receive a misunderstanding. Because when they saw you, you become a mystery. Because this God now veiled in you. But Moses was the living God to them. The living word of a God made manifested. That's the reason his face is veiled. Moses has to be veiled. Because people cannot take it. Only by the word veiled in Moses. Then when Moses come to the speak. No on the outside speak like a man. But it's the God inside of him. Then that only the predestinated people recognize there's a God veiled in that prophet. And do you know the same thing in the genuine Christian is veiled today. Two unbelievers. Still in the unveiling of God. The brother Abraham said, and now, if he had been the great pillar of fire that come down, see a great pillar of fire, God, become a great pillar of fire, that had come down and show them that what he was, that he was this great pillar of fire, they might have believed that. If Jehovah would have went around. But you see what he did, so that he could 
bypass all them smart, wise people. He just revealed himself like he promised to Moses. Say, I will speak them through a prophet. And he was the son of a man, a prophet. If God coming down <coughs> like a great uh, pillar of fire, just come down and, uh, you know, hover around over here. Let me say this. If all of a sudden you saw the pillar of fire, just bang, open the door and come on over here. I think probably all the one we're thinking about, we all come to the altar and try to worship, Lord, forgive me, Lord, I didn't receive you. But do you, do you know that the same God still can build in the person, no matter how the poor, how illiterate, how uneducated that veil is, but God still can speak to you. God can still veil himself in the un uh, pleasant or unseemingly that a veil that is still speaking a transforming power that into the people. He's still the same God. But then why God has to veil himself? Brother Bram so that he could bypass all them smart wise people. Because of God has to be received by faith. It's not a received by education. It's not a received by you learning. You try to figure him out. God can only be received by believing him. That's why Moses has to be veiled. What is the veil has hide? The veil, veil has hide the word of a God inside of the, that a person. So then it has to be God himself revealed himself through that veil. It cannot be the man just uh, saying, you know, you know, believe that. It has to be God inside of that person revealed himself out. And then that God through the manifestation, the life that you are living, the way you are behaving yourself, and only to the believer, then the believer will recognize there is a God veiled in that person. The world won't see that. They cannot, they, uh, uh, it's just not revealed to them. And uh, you're thinking about, if without this veil, if without things, uh, we probably just want to get out of here. We so much we want to get out of this veil. We so hate this veil. Because that's what's to give us the trouble. That's to give us the struggling. That's to give us that we cannot see this. But you're thinking about it. Even without this veil, what are you going to be? Hope. When it was out of this veil, Brother Branham is his wife. And when Brother Branham called him back, he said, why did you call me back? I don't want to come back. You understand what I'm saying? And even the prophet going beyond the curtain of time. And his old veil was sitting over there. And when he was started failing, I said, do I have to come back to that again? I don't want to. If without the veil, we'll be just like, Lord, give me the, let me go to heaven. Let me get out of here. Let me go to, we don't want those things. But God has to put us in this veil to manifest to himself. That's the reason that he had to veil Moses' face. Because in him was the word. He veiled Jesus as a humble little man to keep them from seeing Jehovah. And he veiled himself today in earthen vessels with the China. 
The outside looks like a bunch of a holy roller, old badger skin, but inside hides the kind of glory. Then it said that the word was in him, ready to be manifested, giving out to the people the true word. God had wrote it, and it was with Moses. Notice, it was with Moses, and was ready to be manifested. He was the word to them. He was the living word, hid, veiled himself. Moses had to put a veil over his own face. Why? He was that word. Amen. Until that word was made known, Moses has to veil himself. He said, Amen, do you see it? Wherever the word is, it's veiled. If you believe the word that is living in you, the word has to be veiled. And it's the veil stumbles people. It's the veil makes the unbeliever reject you and persecute you and say things that are about you and try to don't degrade you because they didn't recognize God. If there was a pillar of fire coming in, even the atheists, they will come. Oh my, there is a mighty God here. There's a supernatural being here. But God doesn't reveal himself like that. God will hide himself veiled in this poor little vessel. In that poor little vessel, Sister Glista. That's God veiled himself in there. And only God can reveal that God in that veil and that reveal to the believer. Is this a veil that makes us a struggle? Just like I was to say the brother Branham and then at hope. And even Paul said how you know I was so disgusting about this flesh. He said, if in my will, I want to be with the Lord. But he said, I'm here has more benefit for your sake. Is this a veil that's give us so much a problem? The soul never lie. The attributes of a God that's a living inside of us is never done wrong. It knows what it should be doing. It knows what is right. But it's this veil that constantly drags me into trouble. Is this veil here constantly driving me into confusion? Is this veil here constantly want to do things that is not appropriate for the believer to do? Is this veil constantly trying to let you to watch things that you don't want to watch? Is this a veil that stumbles us? Is this a veil that makes the battle become so ferocious? Is this a veil that makes another world become so vague, so unclear? Is this a veil that was a, give us this, all this struggle, all this battle? But the veil also give a God a chance. No matter how vile, how evil, how sick body of this veil is, but the veil give a God a chance. Is in this veil God showed Himself, I'm a healer. Is in this veil God showed Himself, I'm a deliverer. Is in this veil God said, I'm a comforter. When you're in trouble, when you're in distress, he said, I am the one that comforts you. So does it need comfort. There's attributes of a God. You always know. It never fall. Never seen in the first place. But it's this veil that need a comfort. 
This veil need a revival. This veil need to understand. This veil need to believe. This veil need to be subjection. But that gave God a chance. He said, when your veil coming to the situation is unsolvable, he said, I'm almighty God. I'm still pouring myself into this veil. Wherever the word is, it's veiled. It's in this veil, God approved himself as a serpent stomper. It's in this veil, he showed himself, I'm a father. I love fatherhood. You are my children. This veil, yes. That showed that he is a redeemer. That gave him an opportunity to show his redemption plan. It's all in this veil. It's in this veil. He showed himself that my grace is sufficient. It's in this veil. He said my strength is made perfect in your veil. It's this veil manifested the power of transformation. From a prostitute to a saint. From a drunkard to a believer. It's in this veil God showed himself. He must pour himself into this vile veil. It's in this veil that he can show himself the light affliction will work an exceeding and an eternal weight of glory. It's in this light of fiction, on this veil, it has to be. Without a striking, without the light of fiction, on this veil, it cannot show his exceeding and eternal weight of glory. But he said, that's just for a moment. This veil, this veil is only just for a moment. But Abraham said, Moses has the word. Now remember, after the word was made manifest, Moses was Moses again. I wish Moses would never be Moses again. I wish Murphy would never be Murphy again. When, we're, when, we're, when Moses was on the mountaintop, he was take the veil out. He came face to face with God. Reflection of God is right in his face. When you are testifying before the people for the Lord, you almost like you're not you anymore. Sister Pat. You feel that I'm not myself. The word is just fooling out. But don't worry, you will become you again. Moses was Moses again. When it was again out of the mountain, he never got a temper feet when it was before the Lord. When you were before the word and before the Lord, you'll never have that. But when it come down, boy, Moses become Moses again. You bunch of hypocrites. And that temper even stopped him going to the promised land. That veil. How I hate that veil. It just makes me so disgusting about my veil. Remember, said Moses was Moses again. 
Let me say something to our young people. When you testify on the platform, do you believe there's a God who lets you testify? Sorry, there's no young people here. Do you believe on the monitor that you are God that's in you lets you to testify? When you come before the altar, give your heart to the Lord. You raise up your hand, said, I believe. Lord, I give my heart to you. 13, 14, 18, whatever age you're on, which rank that you're in. Do you believe there's a God inside of you done that? Isaac? Okay? Do you believe there's a God done that? I believe it. But what makes you become a weak? What makes you become your drawback to the world again? What makes you become just going out to just... It seems like you're not you anymore. It seems like you've done the way rejected everything that you confessed. It seems like that you're just a totally two different person. And then the young people, the condemnation start to come. Then the guilty feelings start to come. And they dare not to testify anymore. They dare not to raise up their hand then anymore. Because they feel I'm a hypocrite. You're not a hypocrite. You're just a Moses to become a Moses again. It's God inside of you makes you to do what you're doing. Never that a failure stop you. Never that your mistake stops you. Never that your condemnation stop you. You just become a Moses. Become a Moses again. Can I add those amen too? Not only the young people. We all. Moses has to become Moses again. When God poured himself in, when God was in Moses, Moses is not Moses. Moses is a living word. Moses is God. Moses is not Moses. But when Moses come out of a mountain, when the veil started to put it back, Moses become a Moses again. Moses has to go back to the veil. Is that veil that we're so disgusting about. Is that a veil we feel give us so much trouble? And the young people said, then what should I do? Only believe. Just keep on believing. I don't feel that. Keep on believing. Keep on coming to church. Keep on pack your Bible. I feel I'm a hypocrite. You're not. That's the devil's lying to you. You're doing exactly a living God was supposed to do in that veil. Moses become a Moses again. How many times we want to get rid of this veil? But we forgot it's in this veil. That God is not only living in there, but God also manifests himself 
through that veil. Devil always use that veil. That is the perfect ground for devil to try to work on you. He cannot work anything on your soul because you believe. You're the attributes of God. You're the seed of God. There's nothing to work there. But devil constantly work on this veil. Because this veil was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But you know there is a mighty hand behind devil. Say devil. You only have this veil for a moment. Actually, this, this veil is not belongs to you. This veil belongs to me. Because there's a seed living in there. And God said, I will use this veil. Devil said, no, I will use this veil. There's a fighting between God and Satan. It's not on the soul realm, but it's on the veil realm. The devil said, I work on it. He put this wall. He put this movie. He put that game. He put all kinds of people thought. This idea, that idea. But God said, no. This veil belongs to me. God doesn't give you a new education. Try to counterattack Satan. God doesn't give you a new program. Try to over, let you overcome Satan. Jesus said, I'll shed blood for them. Do you realize the blood is not just for the attributes? The attributes doesn't need to the blood. It's the veil that needs to the blood to cover. It's the sin needs to the blood to eliminate that. The answer that God gave it to you, He sent Jesus Christ, He shed His blood. Then the blood was sprinkled on that veil before the congregation. Is that a scripture that we just read? He has to take the blood of the block and to kill that and the sin offering. And then the priest has to sprinkle seven times on that tabernacle, on that veil. That shows in each church age, God is the blood. Jesus Christ, His blood will always take effect. That's the only answer. It's not a program. It's not theology. It's not your mentality. You try to turn a new page. He said the blood will be the answer. It's the blood has to cover that veil. That's the literal life of Jesus Christ has to come to that veil. That soul always believe the attributes of a God were never going to sin. Because of that belongs to him, come to from the thoughts of a God. But when this last seed was veiled in this veil, is this veil that needed the blood of Jesus Christ? Why? Because when the blood of Jesus Christ covered that, that veil can be a vessel of God. He poured himself into it. That is that I can speak through you. But Abraham said, we only know as our senses will let us know. And the rest of it, we have to believe by faith. We have to say, there is a God. Whether we see Him or not, we believe it. Anyhow. Whether there is or not, we still believe it because God says so. It's not saying that we don't have to understand God. 
If God lets you understand Him, you need to understand Him. But when you come to a point you cannot understand, then you believe God. Let your faith rise up. Lord, I cannot explain the situation. But Lord, I believe it anyhow. But Abraham said, he says, then when you accept it, you believe it. And somebody say, let's say, if you look any different. Why are you still not brown eyes? You're just the same as you was. But Abraham said, you can't show nothing that you are saved. Only you are testifying of the unseen. Young people, listen to this. He said, your faith says you are saved. He said, what you do? You believe you are saved. Can our young people say amen to that? I know it's all the older people saying that. He said, you believe you are saved. Then you say you are saved. Then you act like you are saved. You said, that's a hypocrite. That's not a hypocrite. That's to believe every word of God said to be the truth. He said, then you associate with those that are saved. And it works righteousness. It's just as simple as that. Sometimes the young people, when they saw there's no result come, then their faith becomes decreased. They become uh, discouraged. But all God has said to you to do, look into the unseen by faith. You said my faith was so small, it doesn't matter the size of the faith. If you're sincere, if you're a believer, no matter how small the size of the faith is, but it's still an unadulterated mustard seed of the faith. Amen. That will still grow. You know, it's a work. That is a work. And it works righteousness. And you must uh, confess it and believe it. And then associate with those people that are saved. And eventually, you'll saw the result, the fruits of this has come growing. How you do it? Keep looking into the word. Keep believing what is the message said about you. It will let you look into the unseen, which is inside of you. Is all the word of God is talking about you. But Abraham said, but while the word was in him to be given out, he was a God. He talked about Moses. Well, he wasn't Moses no more. He had the word of the Lord for that age. That's why they said, when the word of the Lord is in Moses, he's not Moses. When the word of the Lord is in you, it's not you. It's the word of a God availed it inside of you. You feel like you're just in the battle. It feel like you're living the double life. You're not living. Actually, you are living in the double life. One is in this veil. One is inside of that veil. But God said, I give you a remedy. It's not what you've done. The price I already paid. 
Because of the blood has to cover the veil. That's why he can go into that veil. Pour himself into it. As sitting on the mercy seat as a sacrifice. Constantly interceding for you. There's no sin can go into, go through that. Because there's a veil that's hanging in there with the blood on it. Let's talk about the veil a little bit more. Elijah has a veil. Poor Elijah. While he was to take the veil off, when God revealed inside of Elijah, he killed 400 prophets and chopped their head just like a chopping watermelon. One after another. Let you chop one head. Say how hard it is. Don't try it. Let alone 400. That's a supernatural strength to do that. And Elijah, when he was doing that, the God is in him. The fire coming down. And then the burn of all the sacrifice and then even the water in there. But when Elijah veiled it again, and Elijah become a refuge. And the run for it is alive. Got a nerves to break down. David, when the veil was off of him, he can kill a lion and just, uh, just uh, take it as a bear and just tear it into pieces. And he can uh, use a slingshot, just kill the bear and also kill, kill Goliath. That's what he was, uh, God is living in him, anointing him to do. But when the veil off of him, I'm oh, sorry, when a veil, when a veil was on, David committed adultery. When the veil is on, David killed Uriah. When that veil is on. What? David become a David again. But God never take away his election. If I will say, the veil never stop God. The veil might stop you. The veil might stop another person. But the veil never scares God. Your mistake never scares God. Your failure never scares God. Your weakness never scares God. And let me say this, your backsliding never scares God. You might put on your human veil... Just talk like a devil, walk like a devil, but that veil never stopped God. His blood can cover everything. His blood still can stand every veil. No matter how vile, how evil that veil is, but that blood has more power than any veil trying to put it out. He still chose you. As he chose Elijah as a prophet. He still elects you. As he elected David. To sit on the throne. To think about that David is such a veil. That's in front of him. But God himself even said. I am son of David. It's because of the blood. Is on that veil. There's a sin offering. For that veil. There's atonement for that veil. When the blood is on that veil, the veil becomes transparent. God doesn't say the veil 
doesn't see the veil anymore. As Brother Michael was saying so beautifully, when the, he quoted, when the blood, when the red looks through red, it becomes a white. Because of the veil, all of a sudden become a transparent. There's a no veil between the believer and God. Oh, the chasm has been made together. There's no chasm anymore. There's no separation anymore. Nothing can separate the believer from the love of God. Sword cannot separate him. Distress cannot separate him. Depression cannot separate him. Mocking, rejection, COVID, nothing can separate the believer from the love of God. Because of God's love showed by the, the blood of Jesus Christ. He provided sacrifice for this veil. That's why he was a bruised for our iniquity. It pleased God to bruise him. He has put him to grave. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. When that blood is on this veil, there's a nothing block the vision of a God anymore. If there's a no blood, this veil will be judged. This veil will be destroyed eventually. But when the blood was put on that, that veil all of a sudden become a disappeared. Then God can come in. Then we can go into God too. There's a no nothing blockage in between anymore. He only see his seed. When the veil becomes transparent, when the blood was on the veil, on this, is that your failure? Is that your mistake? But God said, I threw the veil with the blood. I only see my seed in there. He shall see his seed. When he died out of Calvary, he paid a supreme price. But I've said in my commission, all the redemptive blessing that he died for at a Calvary is already paid for before God. The debt is fully paid. Not even one penny left that I'm paid. Like the last time I said, he overpaid it. He paid for our healing. He paid for our depression. He paid for our weakness. The debt is fully paid. And you are excused before God. You're free. You're debt free. There's no condemnation. Who can lay charge on the gods that you lack? Because it's a God make them the righteous. He has spared not his own son, but deliver him for us all. You said, I'm the weakest. All. I'm the least. All. I make so many mistakes. All. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? When you have a him, you have all things. Who shall lay anything to the church of God's elect? It is God 
that justify. If the man justify, no use. If the minister justify, no use. But when God said, you're justified, Sister Linda. You're justified, Brother Ken. You're justified, Brother Curtis. You're justified. Better don't mention the name. Every one of you. There's no touch. Every one of you. You are justified. Not because of you, but because the blood on the veil. Who is he that condemns? It is the Christ that died. Condemn and death of a God. Death of a Christ. There's no comparison. This balance is way heavier than this one. It is the Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who's even at the right hand of a God who also make intercession for us constantly. 24-7, constantly. He put a blood on the veil. He set in this heart. He set in the sanctuary and constantly making intercession to prevent any Satan try to coming in. No matter how much I would pray for you, being a sinner, Brother Bram said, my prayers might help you. And my persuasion might help you. But I couldn't forgive one sin of yours. God has already did that. You have to accept it in Christ. When Jesus died, he saved everybody. As far as God was concerned. As long as it got concerned, I don't care if you concern or not. As long as it got concerned, I don't care what anybody else is concerned or not. As far as it got concerned, I'm afraid. And you are free. And if the Son of a man, the Son of a God will set you free, you are free indeed. For he paid the full price of human redemption. No veil can stop God. The blood has paid it all. Used to be in the Old Testament, it has to be eye for eye, tooth for a tooth. But when Christ paid it, it's not just a paid a, you're this problem, you're that problem. He poured himself into you. He put the blood over top of you. There's not even one thing is not covered by his blood. And the brethren said in the token, it's the life that's in the blood that does the speaking. It's not only just the outside what is speaking, it's the inside speaking too. And now because he's living in there and there was the blood on you, then you can let the inside life of God speaking through you. And he said, it's the life that's in the blood that does the speaking. It was a life that was in Christ that cries out better things than any. He speaks and he speaks loud. It's the Holy Spirit. When you possess the Holy Spirit, that's the blood of Jesus Christ has a living in you, has a cover you, every aspect.
You will find him, come and see. That's what he paid for. And standing there to make good to you anything that you say. That you accept what he has done. What was he done? He was wounded for your transgressions. He said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. And with his stripes we were healed. Let me give you one more scripture. To comfort this veil. Come. Let us return unto the Lord. For he has torn. And he will heal us. He has smitten. And he will bind us up. How beautiful that is. He smiled. He said, I will bind you. He said, your sake. I said, I'll heal you. Let us return unto the Lord. He paid a price that you and I would never have to stand in the judgment. And if he paid a price, don't try to bring me to any of your judgment. He's done, took it for me. And I have accepted it. Brother Bram said, and now you are his. Please, bride of Jesus Christ. This is talking about you. This is for you. This is not just a quote. This is the blood still crying the better things. He said, now you are his. You're born in shipping and iniquity. You're born from sex with all the sin that you can do. But Lord said, now you belong to me. I own this veil. I shed my blood on this veil. I shed blood on your imagination. That imagination now is subject my word. I pour my blood on you. That reasoning now belongs to me. You are not a reason against God, but you're a reason for God to support him. You have to have the five cents in order for her to read the Bible, to listen to it, and to know this is the truth for you. And by the heart, you believe it and take it under subjection and make it work for God. The blood has a drip on his veil. The Lord said, now you belong to me. Now you are not a slave anymore. Job is not a slave master, but you become a slave master of your job. Career is not your slave master, but you become a slave master. You become a boss of it. Why? Because the blood on this veil. Now you are his. He said, oh, because he is, we have the right to all that he has purchased for us. He doesn't purchase for anybody else. He purchased for you. He purchased for you, Margaret. He purchased for you, Sister Tootsie. He purchased for you, Sister Eleanor. He purchased for you, everybody that are watching this service. Every promise in the Bible is yours. Every. Literally, when God said every, is every. When we said every, we probably don't mean it. Oh, you're welcome coming to my house. Do whatever you want. But please, don't do that. Take your shoes off. I thought I'd do everything I wanted. God is not like that. Everything is yours. 
He said, it belongs to you. You're not a guest, do you know? You're not just a guest that try to, you know, come into, oh, I better sit in right. And I better don't do anything wrong. He said, it belongs to you. In another word, when you come to my house, I said, Brother Sterling, this house belongs to you. Don't take it seriously. <laughs> We're human. This is a veil. But when God said, it belongs to you. Healing is not you begging. It belongs to you. This is all yours. Peace is all yours. Joy is all yours. Your children is all yours. Your loved one is all yours. Why? It belongs to you. He said it belongs to God. No, God said it now. It belongs to you. You take the book. There's the blood on that book. You take the book. You eat the book. You and the word become a one. Now everything belongs to you. When this token is upon you and God has sealed you. Now we want to check ourselves just for a moment. When God has to give you the true baptism of the Holy Spirit, then the life of Jesus Christ is within you. Now that's true. And every theologian will have to admit that to be. Yes, sir, it's a new birth. You are born anew of the Holy Ghost. And because of that, God has did this. And you know you are no good in yourself. Does anybody know that you are no good? Or only Brother Tim know he's no good. What about you? Don't nail your head. You're just as rotten as you can be. Thank you, Brother Mike. Anybody's no good here? Anybody in the camera? Raise up your hand, please. Yes, sir. You know you're no good. Everybody else might not know, but you know. No matter how many suits you try to put it on, try to cover that veil, you know you're no good. Since you know you're no good, I don't have to tell you you're no good. You already know. <laughs> Twice, brother Tim. He said, you know you're no good in yourself. How I'm so thankful to the prophet. He said, you know you're no good in yourself. Just nothing in me, Lord. It's all rotten. But you accept what God has did. That's the first thing to do. Realize, oh Lord, I'm no good. Then the second thing you need to do, but Lord, you are good. You're so good to me, Lord. You paid all my debt. You paid all the price that I, I could not pay. You accept what God has did. Then He seals you into His kingdom by the Holy Spirit. Repent. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sin. On this veil. You shall receive the Holy Ghost. 
And everything that Jesus purchased and the promise to you in the Bible is yours. It's your property because it's paid for. If it's not paid for, you become a squatter. If you're not paid for, you're just a poacher. If it's not paid for, you're just a presuming that you are the bride. If it's not paid for, as I said, it's not paid for. It's not how much you get or you can get your sincerity out. It's how much you can get it yourself and put your mental ability into it and try to believe it. It's not paid for. If it's not paid for, then you just a squatter. You just try to get it yourself. But because it's paid for, so you become a legal owner of it. You might not have sold your property yet. You might not have, you might have to go to your land to look at it yet. But on a lot of legal documents, it said, Van Enter, Ricard, it said, Brother Philip, it said, Brothers in America, maybe the border across, you cannot cross, it's a block you, but it will never block the blessing of God coming right to you. No matter where you are, it belongs to you. It becomes your property, Sister Roxanne. The healing is your property. And the keeping out of the house is your property. Your children is your property. That's God giving it to you. You are the legal owner of it. I don't feel that. I don't have to feel it. The paper says so. I don't see it. The paper says so. I haven't taken a hold of it, but the paper says so. Because I'm a legal owner. It's your property because it's a pay for. Amen. It said, life is mine. He paid for it. Life is yours. He paid for it. You might as dry as a dry bone in the plan. But let the spirit of a prophecy. Because the testament of Jesus is the spirit of a prophecy. It's not your speaking. But when the dead mate of the bird, the speckled bird, was twisted and the blood dripped on another bird, then that dead mate of the blood is on me. That is on you. That we can fly and cry, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. I'm not condemned. You cannot judge me anymore. Satan, you can bring any charge on me. But the blood will cry, holy, holy, and holy. He purchased this. He said, this is mine. You're free. As a musician can come. He said, the healing is mine. He paid for it. Healing is yours. He paid for it. Freedom is mine. He paid for it. He said, I was bound. I feel as bound as it can be. Reject your feeling. And I'm change it. Ignore your feeling. You don't have to rebuke the Satan when he pop off his head and try to bite you. All you need to do, reject. All you need to do is just ignore him and turn it around. Say, God, you said freedom is mine. It has to pay for it. And he said, heaven is mine. He paid for it. How beautiful that is. I've never been to heaven. But God sent a word. You're the legal owner of it. 
Why? It's because he paid for it. From this body, from this veil. But God said heaven is paid for it. It legally belongs to you. He paid for it. He has to pay the price. Everything he purchased belongs to the man that holds the token. He said, Amen, pass my token upon the streetcar on the day of the judgment, and I'll pass over you. Amen, holding it in, holding your confession in the word, then Jesus Christ has died for you. And when he does it, he display, he displays himself through you. And he's letting us know that a church is his in the Samana church age. As the seed of the fruit is in the midst of the fruit, so is he. The royal seed in the middle, in the midst of the church, as the seed along has a life in it, so is he, the author of life to the church. He walking signified is the untiring care of it. He is the chief shepherd watching over his, his own. That is his right, for he brought, for he bought that church with his own blood. That blood is the blood of a God. The one who owns that church is God. The very God. He's the first and the last. That title spells eternity. He was the dead and alive. He paid a price so he has a sole ownership of the temple of a God. He rules it. He's a worshiped in it. He resents anyone taking over his lordship and authority. No doubt the reason they introduce himself to each age as a deity is to warn and comfort the people. He warns the false vine and he comforts the true vine. This is the one true almighty God. Hear him and live. For they are worthy. Do you realize that who is saying this? It is Jesus, the worthy one. Himself. This is the only one who is accounted worthy to take the book out of the hand of him who sits upon the throne. And now this worthy one is saying to his sons, said, you are worthy. No matter what this availed us, he said, you are worthy, Sistano. He said, here is this one, the only one Qualified to judge. And indeed all judgment is to commit unto him. And he says. You are worthy. Let us stand. What a mighty God that we serve. What a blood of Jesus Christ. Has atoned. He has done everything. He gives his life. He gave us his blood. And that blood is to cover this veil. No matter how vile it is. No matter how evil it seems like. No matter how weak it seems like. But this veil has a sprinkling of the blood of the Jesus Christ that's on it. And now he's sitting in the throne of my heart. And your heart. And constantly intercessing. Intercessing for us. And to make sure that no condemnation, no sin, 
No, whatever Satan's tried to do can come into this vessel of God. How safe we are. Let's sing a song. In your presence. Oh, in your presence. That's where I go. Oh, in your presence. Oh, Lord, my God, in your presence. That's where I
what make us can come to the presence of a God is the blood of Jesus Christ. If we're under the spirit of a prophecy that in this age, which is the testimony of a Jesus Christ, we should look beyond this veil. Why? Because of the blood has been applied on this veil. When there's a blood in there, this veil is a transparent. And we can go to the presence of a God without any guilty feeling, without any condemnation. That is to go beyond this veil and go to God to know that He is the one we're in the time of trouble and He is the support, He is the help in the time of the trouble whenever that we're facing. That is the thing uh, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Uh, um, I'm amazed. Lord Jesus how we feel amazed Lord we're amazed for the price that you paid for such a sinner like I Lord we're amazed for the redemption that you have made and for this evil and vile vile veil like what we're having Lord oh God we give you all the thanks and all the praises was because of the price that you have paid so that we can come to your presence. Because the price that you have paid, you made a path that can come into us and dwell in here. Lord, it's not just a, merely just some knowledge that we know, but it's the Jesus Christ, it's the God of himself poured out himself that into us. Lord, I just pray you make this become a more real to our people, Lord. To this beloved of the children of God. Lord, if there's anyone that hasn't really realized that, if there's anyone that hasn't got that revelation, Lord, I pray that you reveal yourself to them. Reveal yourself to them that you have paid all the price. Every penalty, every death, everything, Lord, you have already paid. Lord, because we cannot pay for that. There is not just an inhuman being to pay for. But Lord, you paid the price. So that we can be free. You paid for our healing. So that we can be healed. Lord I just pray. That you remember all the need. That in this local body. 
and also out of our, in the, uh, you know, all the, around the world. Or some people, they got a sick, or some people with COVID, or some with a cancer, some with a diabetes, or some with a different kind of diseases. They have all kinds of a name to it. But Lord, we know it is just the Satan behind it. But Lord, we're not afraid of those things because we know that the blood has been shed. The blood of Jesus Christ has been shed for us. He has paid at a price for every sickness. We pray that the healing virtue flow through to each individual. Whatever the sick, sickness and the name that they had. But Lord, we pray that the blood that will cover them. And restore them fully, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And remember for our brother, uh, brother Ken tonight is going to minister in a Mount Baker camp there. I pray that the Holy Spirit and anointing him, Lord. How we enjoy his ministry, his faithfulness, all these years. He gave himself to you to transcribe the, all the voices into the message book that we can read. We're so thankful that you have a man of God like that. I just pray that your spirit, that it move in him as he laid himself before you and prepare for the service. Lord, you speak through our brother and minister to the need of the people. And Lord, send us back home. Lord, as we dismiss the service and going back to each car, Lord, I just pray that your presence follow every one of us. Lord, we're not coming here just to put up some time. We're coming here to meet you. Lord, I believe we met you that in your word. I just pray that the word become rooted in our heart and to know that Jesus Christ had paid it all. All the price that you have paid. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Can we sing a last song? I believe the true report. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, brothers. I don't know how I'm going to do without you. <laughs> Let's sing this. I believe in the true report.
presence of a God. You know, that veil is not hard to pass. This veil is a hard to pass. But thank God that there is a blood. It doesn't take a sword to cut it. It doesn't take yourself to tear it. In. Just take the blood and sprinkle on the veil and it makes a way for the Lord to come in and for us to go to Him. That the two become one. May the Lord bless every one of you. Let's shake hands of... Oh, sorry. Cut an internet. No shake hands. <laughs> Let's shake, shake hands virtually. Virtually. Say to each other, God bless you. So good to see you all. And may the Lord bless every one of you. And until tonight at 4 o'clock, if you haven't registered, you're more than welcome to come on over here to stream it to service and to worship together. And may the Lord bless every one of you. God bless you. You're dismissed.